Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And uh, yeah, it's a it's reality to talk about and to pray about the things that are broken in the world. Um, we're in a series called Invincible Joy. Um, and we want that, right? We want our lives to be full of joy. But there's something in our lives that keeps us from that. And very often, it's anxiety. Um, anxiety. And it might be helpful. Let me give you just a quick definition. Um, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So something's going to happen, or we're not sure what's going to happen. And that brings anxiety to us. We begin to feel anxious. Um, and anxiety is born because life is full of suffering. Because life is hard. There's no way to avoid it. You can do everything you can to control your external environment, and you'll find that internally uh, you're filled with anxiety. Um, when bad things happen... Uh, when we get bad news, uh, when we find out that things aren't going to work out the way that we wanted them to, uh, we sort of, for some of us, like, we're okay, and then there's like a teetering point, you know, where enough uncertainty, enough things that are about to happen that we're not sure about, and we sort of teeter over into and fall into anxiety, uh, and we start to worry, and anxiety then makes us it has a different impact on us depending on our personality, depending on our wiring. For a lot of people, anxiety then makes you feel frustrated. Um, frustrated at life, sometimes frustrated at God because God could have prevented this from happening, so why didn't he? You know, why is this happening to me, we ask. Or why does this always happen, uh, we might ask. And then oftentimes we, we can get angry. We get angry at God. We get angry at life. We get angry with other people. Other people, maybe at home, our spouse, our children, family members, get the brunt of our anger. Um, sometimes there's other people that are wired differently and they just withdraw. Like they, they disconnect, they sort of give up, and they will medicate themselves with television or a hobby or just anything to escape. Um, and not just at home, but you know, we can feel these ways at work. Sometimes we get angry with people at work. Or we get much more easily annoyed with friends. And, and it's not, we don't mean to take out our anger on other people. We don't mean for other people to suffer, but we're just, we're going through something. We don't know how to process it, right? We have this level of anxiety and we don't know what to do with it. And we're not sure. And so its effect then just leads us in these ways to anger, frustration, or, or separation. Um, just this week, I was up in Los Angeles with Nathan, my son, and we were we thought <laughs> we were going up to finish the punch list of stuff that needs to get fixed on my dad's condo so that Nathan can move in and so we can get renters because school starts in less than a month now. And as I was looking at the kitchen, I discovered that underneath the board, underneath the kitchen sink, was an enormous amount of mold. And... So there was mold and there was water damage, and I kind of began to try to peel back to see what was, you know, the, the extent of it, and I found out that it was, oh man, it's on the drywall. It's now growing up the side, and it's, this whole kitchen thing needs to be, like, ripped out. Like, we got to get rid of all of it, and um, 
And in my mind and in my heart, I'm thinking, uh-oh. And I started thinking, well, actually, I didn't start thinking. I started feeling. <laughs> I started feeling frustrated. I started feeling angry. And so my fuse, like, got cut in, like, to 30% of what it normally is, you know? And so things that wouldn't normally set me off, all of a sudden I got angry, you know? And I'm short with people. I'm short with, um, with situations. I'm just angry and frustrated. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then there's people who are trying to fix it who I don't want to help try to fix it. And I just want to think, like, what are we going to do? And how are we going to get our arms around this? We need to find out what the extent is. And then, you know, insure, like all these sorts of things, right? And we have a plumber who's there and he's offering some advice. And it's just frustrating, you know? Cause, and, and as I thought about it, I was like, well, wait, wait, why am I so frustrated? You know, like what, what's going on here? And I'm thinking, well, okay, there's a financial piece to this that when we don't have renters in here, uh, this is costing us money that we don't have. And then I'm thinking, wait, we don't even know the extent of this, right? Like, how far away from the sink is this going? Because it's going all the way to one wall. Is it going to go all the way to the other wall? And as I'm peeling things back, I find, oh, here's a mouse's nest. Hopefully it was a mouse. You know, probably not a mouse. Um, and so, and I realize, like, oh, okay, at the bottom, I think I'm freaking out because of money. Well, money was one thing, and then having my son have a place to stay when school starts at the end of this month. Those were like the two things that were most like angsty in me. And so and I didn't realize that initially. I just felt this, and that's what happens. Anxiety hits, and we just kind of start, sometimes we freak out. And, and the question is, what do we do about it? Like, what's the right thing to do about it? And that's what the Bible, the Bible speaks to this. The Bible addresses this in Philippians 4. Chapter, or chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. That's what we're going to look at today. It's going to teach us how the gospel can untangle our anxiety. And it answers the question, can joy really bring peace all the time? So let's look at this. The verses are in your bulletin. They're going to be up on the screens. Uh, dealing with anxiety, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is a really powerful passage. This is a set of verses that can literally change your life. If you can understand these verses, if you can put these verses into practice in your own life, there's nothing that this won't touch. It'll touch everything. The center of it is the, is the two verses, verses six and seven. Um, I just want to read them again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the God of peace, or the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've read this passage literally hundreds of times. Um, I've studied this, I've preached on this before, so I'm very familiar with this passage. I have always thought that verse 6, you know, be anxious for nothing, don't be anxious about anything, I've always thought that that meant that mature people don't experience anxiety. I can tell that some of you are smarter than I have been up until this, these last several weeks of preparation. Um, yeah, don't be anxious about anything. That's what it says. So mature people don't feel anxious. But this time, studying the whole book, I noticed something that I've never noticed before. It's something else that Paul, who wrote this passage, who wrote verse 6, he also wrote chapter 2, and this is what Paul says in chapter 2, talking about a guy named Epaphroditus. He says in Philippians 2, verses 25 and 28, he says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, verse 28. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. That's exciting, isn't it? You're like, why is that exciting? Well, it's exciting because the person who said, don't be anxious about anything, is the same person who said, I want to feel less anxious. So there's like a humanity here. There's a humanity in the Bible. Um, that, that Paul struggled with anxiety. That Paul dealt with anxiety. And so this is the first point that I want you to write down, because I want you to take away some things today. Point number one I want you to write down is, some anxiety is part of mature Christianity. Okay, some anxiety is part of mature Christianity. And here's the good news. That means that verse 6 is not a condemning sentence against anyone who has anxiety. Okay, verse 6 is actually an invitation to come to Jesus when you do feel anxious. Okay? You know how it is sometimes when you hear somebody say, oh, well, you shouldn't do this, or certain people don't do something like, don't do this, and then you sort of immediately feel excluded because you're guilty of doing that? Have you ever felt that way? You kind of feel guilty, you feel a bit of shame coming over you. It feels like the person who's saying this doesn't struggle with it at all, right? And so you think, well, clearly I just don't belong. You know, sometimes you might be sitting in life group and it seems like nobody else struggles with what you struggle with or everyone else has the answers and you're the only one. So there's no way on earth you're going to speak up, right? Because you don't want them to find out you don't belong because then they won't want you there and then you're going to feel even more shame and everyone else really doesn't struggle with this anyways. So really you just got to deal with it on your own, right? That's, that's like... That's a real thing that we feel, and some churches make people feel that way, but the Bible doesn't speak that way, okay? When you feel that way, that's not God, okay? That's not God talking to you. The Bible doesn't speak that way because the one who said, don't be anxious, was himself anxious. And so that changes the tone and the tenor of this command, doesn't it? Like, this is not Paul condemning people for feeling anxious. He's like, yeah, I sent Epaphroditus because I was worried about you. I was anxious. And so I'm hoping that when, now that Epaphroditus is going to go, you're going to see that he's okay. You're going to see that he delivered the gift. And everything's going to be better. And I'm going to feel less anxious. 
And so what Paul is saying in verse 6, he's saying, like, this is an invitation for you to join me in processing your anxiety, not to exclude you for feeling this anxiety. That's what Paul's saying. When he says, don't be anxious about anything, he's saying, join me in how we process our anxiety together. Don't feel condemned just because you're feeling anxious. Because I've already admitted that I feel anxious. Okay? So, that's point number one. Point number two, this is kind of an insight that I want to give you to help you understand why you feel anxious so often. And that's this. Some anxiety comes from responsibility. Some anxiety comes from responsibility. Paul felt anxious because he was responsible for things and for people with uncertain outcomes. Okay, remember our definition? It's this feeling of nervousness and uneasiness and worry, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Paul didn't know what was going to happen with the church in Philippi until he wanted to send Epaphroditus so he'd feel less anxious about that. And so, let me tell you this, if you are fulfilling God's design for your life, if you are paying attention to the relationships that God has called you to pay attention to, if you're doing your work with the excellence and the integrity that God's designed you to do your work with, then it also includes taking responsibility for things and for people that have uncertain outcomes. If you're doing what God wants you to do, then you're going to have all kinds of people in your life with uncertain outcomes. You're going to be involved in situations in your life and you don't know how things are going to turn out. That will make you feel anxious. Okay? Responsibility means caring about what happens to you. It means caring about people that you love. It means caring about what happens to them. It means caring about the church. It means caring about Jesus' reputation in the world. It means caring about your job. It means caring about all kinds of things. And the moment that you begin to care, anxiety creeps in. You can't care without being anxious. Okay? Um, the things you care about have uncertain outcomes. Bad things can happen to the people that you care about. Paul knows this. Paul confessed this. Paul wants to feel less anxious. And so, when you read a verse like, don't be anxious about anything, you think, wait, hold on. But what a, I, I might lose my job. Like, are you sure it's not okay for me to feel anxious about that? <laughs> right? Or my child is sick. Or my child is going through something and there's nothing I can do to help him or her. Right? Or... I'm going on deployment and my spouse is going to be here. I don't know how he or she is going to do with that. Like these are real things. These are realistic reasons for us to feel anxious. So again, this command is not designed to exclude you when you struggle with anxiety. It's inviting you in to know what to do with your anxiety. And so the question that that leaves us then is what do we do with our anxiety? Okay, that's what we're going to see in point number three. So some anxiety is part of mature Christianity. Some anxiety comes from responsibility. Point three, all anxiety invites us to spend time with God. All anxiety invites us to spend time with God. 
And this is one of the things that I love about most of the New Testament when it gives us commands to not do something. Very often it tells us to then do the opposite or to do something else. So it's kind of like there's sort of a way to live without Jesus and then there's a way to live with Jesus. And sometimes the Bible pictures it like a garment that you're wearing, like a jacket. And it's saying like, take off the garment of living without Jesus and put on the garment of living with Jesus. So the image here is, don't be anxious about anything. Take off the garment of anxiety. And what do you put on? You put on prayer. You put on prayer. Prayer is the thing that you put on. It's not just don't be anxious, but it's do spend time with God. It's do go into the presence of God and spend time with him. That's what verse six says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So prayer is the general kind of talking with God. And then the specifics of how to talk with God when you're anxious are supplication and thanksgiving. Supplication is this old kind of religious term. I think it's really only used in religious kind of deal, but it just means to make requests. It means to ask for things. You're asking God for what you want. You're asking God for the outcomes that you want, and it's saying to do that. So with, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And then the thanksgiving piece is this other part of praying that kind of tries to pry the gospel open in your anxiety, okay? makes sense to supplicate God, to ask God to do what it is that's making you feel anxious. God, I'm feeling anxious for this, so do this. Fix it in this way. Let this outcome happen. Let this be the reality that comes forth. Like, do this. Change this, right? That's what supplication is. With thanksgiving, though, reminds us of who we're praying to. Supplication with thanksgiving means, God, okay, let me stop for a second and be thankful. In the midst of my anxiety, while I'm still feeling anxious, is there anything that I can be thankful for? Is there anything that I can give you credit for doing? Because when you do that, you remember that God is active, that God cares, that God loves you, that God's already done so many things in your life already, that you have so much more in your life than what you need, right? And that helps change the disposition of the one that you're praying to, right? Sometimes when we pray and we're anxious, we think God doesn't care. But when we pray with thanksgiving, we remember that he does. So go to God and pour out your heart when you're anxious in this way. Paul Miller wrote a book called A Praying Life that is a wonderful book about prayer. And he says this, he says, your heart can become a prayer factory because you are completely dependent You need God 10 minutes ago. You need him now. Instead of hunting for the perfect spiritual state to lift you above the chaos, pray in the chaos. As your heart or your circumstances generate problems, keep generating prayer. You'll find that the chaos lessens. Man, the chaos lessens. And the peace of God comes. This is what happens. Um, This is what the Bible says. Don't be anxious about anything and everything. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says this is how it happens. There are people in this church who can testify to the reality that this is exactly the way it happens. Um, you talk to God, you feel anxious, you pray about it, and afterwards, I felt less anxious. Afterwards, I felt like it was a smaller, less significant situation. Or, you know what? I prayed about it, and it was still there. Nothing changed from the time I prayed to the time I was done praying. But I know that God is with me in this. And that gives me peace. And so this is how it works. And sometimes what folks that haven't had this experience, because not everyone's had this experience. Some people get really frustrated because they pray and nothing happens. They pray and they don't feel better. And they ask, wait, 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 how can you feel God's peace when he hasn't answered your request? You ask for something, God doesn't say yes. How in the world can you feel his peace? Right? I mean, it'd be one thing. It'd be one thing if you prayed, God did it. Of course you're going to feel better because you got what you want and you get to sit in the way that life is supposed to be. This is what you wanted. And by the way, God is with you now. He's doing what you wanted him to do. So he's on your side. You got a big stick in your corner, right? And so everything's great. You have peace. So how could you possibly have peace if God doesn't give you what you want? I think herein lies one of the biggest difficulties with prayer. Like how do we make sense of this? If God doesn't say yes, how can you have peace? The reason that we wonder about this, I mean, this is a real question. It's worth talking about. It's because when you pray something specific, you think that God only answers yes or no. When you pray about something specific, you think God only has two options, to give you what you want or to not give you what you want. But actually, there's something else that God wants to give you every single time you pray. Okay? Sometimes God gives you a yes. Sometimes God gives you a no. But God will always give you himself. This is not just a pat Christian answer to try to justify all the times that you pray and God doesn't do what you want, okay? I don't want you to roll your eyes at me. I don't want you to go, oh, brother, like this is what the Christians say. When their prayers don't come true, they just say, oh, no, no, I got God. Like that's, that's no, 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 this is very, 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 very real, okay? What, um, God will always give you himself. He, God wants you to experience his presence every single time that you pray. Every time you pray, God wants you to know that he is with you, that he is near to you, that he cares. In Genesis 15, 1, in the New King, in the New King James Version of the Bible, because that's how I remembered it, that's how I memorized it, God says this to Abraham. He says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And I love that because he's saying, Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious, same thing. Why? I am your shield, meaning I'm gonna protect you, and more than that, I am your reward. 
He says, look, it's not about whether you get what you want or not. It's not about whether your life works out the way you want it to or something bad happens to you. The real reward for you in life is whether you have me. That's what God gives us every single time we pray. Sometimes we have eyes to see it, and sometimes we don't. God gives us his presence every time we pray. You don't think about this. Sometimes you pray, and you're kind of just sort of like throwing up hope to the ceiling. You know, you're not really um, understanding that you are quieting your heart before God, and you are coming to the God and King of all the universe who is your personal loving Father, who cares about everything that's going on with you, who is actively working in hundreds of ways in your life, whether you can see it or not. We don't think about that when we pray very often, but that's what's happening. When you FaceTime someone on your phone, right, you're experiencing their presence. That's what prayer is for us with God. It doesn't feel that way all the time. I know. I understand. It doesn't feel that way all the time, but it can feel like that more often. Um, why? Well, because when you pray to God, you're praying to someone who cares deeply for you. You're praying to someone who, though you might have 12 other things going on in your life, in that moment, he has only eyes and ears for you. In the moment when you're praying, he's much more attentive to you than you might be to him. He cares. Um, and so, and he doesn't just care, but he understands. He understands. When we pray to God, we're not praying to someone who is wholly other. Like if you were to email the president's office today with a request, the president or his administration would be very far apart from your situation. You would have to really be convincing to get him or his administration to care, right? With God, it's the opposite. God doesn't just, like, he doesn't just care, but he understands. He understands. He's not far off. The Bible doesn't say he's far off as though he doesn't care. The Bible says that he is actively involved in everything to the point where he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. Like, that's how well he knows you. He knows everything that you're going through, and he cares about all of it. And he doesn't just care as this like distant, benevolent benefactor who cares about all the stuff going on in your life, but he actually knows what it's like to feel the anxiety that you feel. When you suffer and you pray, when you're anxious about your suffering, you're praying to a God who knows suffering even more than you do. You're praying to a God who has suffered in the same way that you have and are suffering. When you're anxious because you've been hurt by someone else in your life, you're praying to a God who has been deeply hurt by people in his life. Like We think that God is just up above and he doesn't care, he doesn't understand, but man, God has an infinite capacity to love and to care. And so he is infinitely hurt by us and our sin. And when you come to him, he says, I know, I know how you're feeling and I'm with you. I'm with you, I care. 
And so when you pray in your anxiety, when you make your supplications to God, as you begin to be thankful, ask him this question, God, how have you been hurt like me? God, how have you suffered like me? God, this is what I'm going through. Here's the pain. Here's the suffering. Here's the betrayal. Here's the whatever it is. God, how have you experienced this? And depending on how long you have been walking with Jesus, things will come into your mind. Things you've heard in church, truths you've heard about God, stories from the Bible, things you've read in the Bible, things about God, situations where God has reacted, where Jesus was interacting with somebody, and that's going to connect to how you feel, right? And in these recollections that happen to you while you're praying, God is saying, I want you to know that I know exactly how you feel, and I'm with you. The brokenness is not my fault, but I am here with you to help. And so God comes to you, and his, and his peace guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When things don't work out the way that you want them to, you pray. You pray in the anxiety that's produced in your life, and you're praying to a God for whom things didn't always work out the way he wanted them to. Jeremiah 3, I think it's verses 6 and 7, God says, I thought that after you had done all of these awful things, that you would return to me, but you didn't. So when things don't work out the way you wanted them to, you pray, and you're praying to a God who says, I know. I know what it's like to put all your eggs and all of your hope in something and for it not to come true. And God wants you to know as you're praying that he loves you, that he cares about you, and he is with you. And when you do this, when you do this, God's peace invades, God's peace descends on you, and you think, my life hasn't changed, the thing that I'm anxious about hasn't changed, but I'm not alone anymore. In fact, the God of the universe is with me, and he cares. He's going to give me strength to stay up under it, no matter what happens. This is what God wants. He wants for us to know anytime we pray, anytime we feel anxious, that he is with us and that he's enough. And in God's infinite wisdom, God's a lot smarter than us than we are, but this is wisdom, even though it's infinite, that you can actually get. You can get this infinite wisdom from God. But in God's infinite wisdom, God knows that we can't learn that he is with us and that he loves us and he'll give us strength and that we won't be overcome unless we suffer. God knows that we can't learn that he is this way without being disappointed. God knows that there are depths of, of, of experiencing his presence that we cannot experience until everything else is gone. So we pray, God, I want to experience your presence. God, I want to feel you close. God, I want to walk with you. Be careful praying that. 
because the road to finding out that God is all you need is the road where you end up in a place where God is all you have. Because until there's nothing but suffering, God cannot be sufficient in the midst of our suffering. Until there's nothing but betrayal, God can't show you that he is with you in betrayal and that he's enough in betrayal. If God is only with you to take away your pain, then God is only useful to you to take away your pain. But if God is with you even when the pain doesn't go away, then God is your prize and your reward even if the pain doesn't go away. Friends, don't be anxious, but in everything, in all of your anxiety, go to God, pour out your heart, and this stretches your faith. Pray to the God who has revealed himself as caring deeply about you and who has suffered in the way that you have suffered. Because when you know that he is with you no matter what in the midst of everything, then he is your prize in the midst of, ev of ev no matter what, with everything. And this is what causes the peace to flow. This is where the dam of heaven breaks open and God's peace flows to you like a flood, like a river. And it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then, when you know this, when you are in the midst of the worst circumstances of your life and you pray and God is there for you and somehow you feel better, then you can rejoice in the Lord always. Then you can have invincible joy no matter what is happening. In the midst of your anxiety, you can say, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what is coming. But I know my God who will be with me. And in him, I rejoice. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we want to experience your presence right now. For each of us, we come to you now with our anxiety. And we want to name what we're anxious over, the uncertainty that's in our future, the things that are broken and we don't know how they're going to get fixed. We have this anticipation that's causing us to be uneasy, to be anxious. And so now in the quietness of our heart, we want to name that to you. We want to tell you what we're going through. In the midst of this, God, is there any way that you have experienced our anxiety? Is there any way that you have suffered the way that we are, been treated the way that we've been treated?
Jesus, we are so grateful. We're so thankful to you that you cared enough about us to come into the world, that you lived for us, you died for us, and that you rose again from the dead, and that you are near. You, the Lord, are at hand. You are here now, wanting to come close to each of us so that we could experience you. Jesus, some of us have have expressed to you our anxiety and we don't know how you have experienced what we've experienced. So Jesus, would you lead those people either to places in the Bible, but even better, maybe lead them to other people in our church to be able to ask, this is what I'm going through. How has God experienced this? Move us to help each other to experience your presence and your nearness. Thank you for the peace that comes with knowing that you are with us. Stronger than the uncertainty of our circumstances and our suffering is the certainty of your resurrection. We know that you died and rose again. We know that means that we are forgiven and accepted by you, that you love us and that you'll never cast us out. So let that peace guard us in everything. We pray it in your name. Amen.